everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 100. It's now been one year exactly since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. Yay, thanks for that celebration. And today I'm recording from my favorite next to top Zen spot on the mountain where I go hiking and pondering and thinking. So you might hear a little bit of wind, a little bit of freeway noise from down below. Every once in a while you might even see a plane or hear a plane go overhead. But today I'm just going to have to truck on because I have so much to record for this epic show. Today's show will represent and celebrate every single thing I've loved and learned this year. Every risk that took bravery for me to achieve, every moment that changed my life. During the course of 100 episodes, I've transformed from feeling fat and pathetic to feeling awesome and whole as an integrated person for the very first time. We'll take a look back at some of the people and events that made this happen. We'll feature greetings and well wishes from BCs and reminisce about their roles in the show. We'll check out the latest versions of every regular feature we've ever had on Compulsive Overeating Diary, including Foolish Fun, Mark's No More Diet for Lori Report, and Stephanie's Secret Topic of the Day. And we'll be treated to another wonderful musical performance from Suze. We'll go together to my writing group in Burbank, California, talk to its founder, Samantha, and I'll read you my latest story that I wrote there. Then on Bravery Saturday, I'll take you with me on my voice acting adventures. We'll take a look at what it takes to polish the monologue from start to finish. We'll have interviews with my singing teacher, Vicki Hilferty, my voice acting coach, David Babich, and my voice acting teacher and director, the extraordinary Mark Cashman, all sharing with us what it took to make their dreams a success and their advice for us on ways we can try to do the same. Finally, we'll leave the show with the debut of the Brave Companion song, written and sung by our own BC, Fianna Lane, and featuring the bravery stories of BCs from all around the globe. So stay tuned, BCs, while we listen once more to the inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, after which I'll share what I'm letting go of today, and then it's time for all of us Brave Companions to partake! Josh, listening to your snippet of I'm letting go for the 100th time certainly brought back a lot of memories. And today I have absolutely no doubt at all in my mind what I'm inspired to let go of. I'm going to let go of feeling like I am pathetically alone and no one cares and there's no one in the world to support me. I don't have to talk about this topic very long because this celebration show in and of itself is proof positive that there are many, 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 many BCs out there who step up 
to support me when I'm feeling pathetic, who allow me to support them when they're feeling pathetic, who laugh with me, cry with me, understand me, get me. And it's okay for me to step out from behind that people-pleasing, funny, always helpful, nice Lori mask, and sometimes to be pissy, whiny, moany, bitchy, or what else comes up as I'm struggling with the emotions that are underneath my compulsive eating habits. And as I go forward on my winding road of journey, <laughs> from dieting to intuitive eating, to giving up the scale, to trying to change my life into something new, something brand new. A year ago, when I put on this recorder, it's the very same, my trusty Roland 05 recorder, the very same. I put it on with my little mic that I can attach to my collar so I can talk without thinking about it. And I walked out my door into some god-awful <laughs> noisy traffic. That's why I sense don't walk that way anymore. <laughs> but I walked through this noisy traffic down to my local park and I pondered, is there more that I can do? Can I think about my eating habits? Can I get to what's bothering me? What is it that causes these robot aliens to come and thrust their robot alien arms into my sleeve and just toss these chips down my gullet like there's no tomorrow? I had been on so many diets. I had been so thin and so heavy <laughs> and everything in between and gone up and down the scale and up and down the scale. And I just really was a compulsive eating wreck. And you might think, like I did, that it was my body that was my pain point. It certainly was what started me walking out the door and making this show in the first place. I had hit 225 again, which was an all-time high since I'd lost 130 pounds at Weight Watchers several years prior. And I was feeling, you know, that fat feeling where your tummy's in your way and your pants are starting to get a little too tight across the bum or you have to suck in to zip your pants even though you haven't just taken them out of the dryer. And the feelings of shame and misery that came up in me with being this bigger size was overwhelming. I felt like a loser, like I'd gone backwards, like I wasn't good. And remember I was also kind of going through a downside with my first show, Daily Adventure Tales. I had put so much work into it and I had so much hope for it and I really wanted it to succeed and it wasn't. And at the same time, I was feeling fat. So there you go, fat and failure, the awesome brew that swirled together can make you feel like you're pathetic and alone and nobody in the entire world would ever want to be your friend. Nobody in the world would ever want to hear what's really going on with you because what's really going on with you is so dark and miserable and ugly. So that meant that I was keeping my feelings inside and letting them fester. And how did I soothe myself with more chips or ice cream or screaming at my husband or not going out to see friends because I didn't want my friends to see me looking so fat not trying for another job or a project or trying to go speak or do anything much because I felt like my fatter body represented me. And in a way it did, right? My fatter body represented the misery that I was feeling as a human being at that moment. I no longer was working in a nine to five job. I'd been retired for some time. I had issues due to my bike accident 
uh, speaking and thinking and stuttering at the drop of a hat. So I didn't really feel comfortable going out and meeting new people in the ways that you might. You know, I've never been like, hey, let's go hang out at the bar type person. And I'm kind of not into the club scene. My fake son Steve would laugh at me. I've never even been where a DJ was doing live mixes or whatever you call it. In my day, we had records and we played them. And if you had a DJ person, they were really part of a live band who was playing an event. That's my generation. That's the way that I am used to things. So no, I wasn't out clubbing. I wasn't out joining like walking groups because I felt heavy and it was hard for me to walk and I didn't feel good. And so everything came back to the old mantra. When I lose weight, things will be better. If only I could become thinner, my life will get better. I need to find some way to help me stick to my diet. I know, I'll put on a recorder and I'll talk about these feelings and thoughts to myself and maybe that will help me stay on a diet. Well, it kind of did. If you listen from day one, which many of you either started with day one originally or once you found me, you went back and binge listened through all the episodes. For the first, oh, I don't know, 20% of the episodes, I was on a diet and I was pondering and I was also binging a little bit, but it was helping me stay on my diet because some of the automatic triggers that caused me to overeat and not deal and to find junk food attractive, I was starting to deal with. I don't know if deal with, with is the right word. I was starting to at least identify them. I was starting to at least have a clue about why chips all of a sudden seem like the thing to be eating all of a sudden in great handfuls at midnight. You know, something that I really hadn't managed to do before. But as I moved on with my journey, it struck me even after the brave companions started commenting and participating and I got this inkling that no, I'm not alone, but they're cheering for me because I'm losing weight. And as you've known from some of my whiny episodes of late, some of the people who found out that I wasn't losing weight did exit or some of the people who did not agree with my methods of how I'm dealing with my life also decided to exit. And that hurt my feelings quite a bit and for quite a long time because I'm very sensitive to rejection, and I think that's true to a lot of us who have this as an issue in our lives or any addiction in our lives or any kind of trouble with coping that makes us do an outside thing to cope, whether it's gambling or sex or buying too many things or being stuck on our iPhones or the internet all day long, rather than cope with our messy houses, our messy lives, our crying kids, asking the boss for a raise, whatever it might be. When we use something outside of ourselves to cope with our messy lives, we're not addressing the true source of the mess. So nothing really gets better. It might feel better, but it's not really better. It, here's an analogy. Like if I said, oh my Lord, someone just drove up into my driveway and they're going to want to come inside my house. And my house was a cluttered mess, which by the way, it often is. So if my house is a cluttered mess, I might like a whirlwind, go rush through it, take all the dirty pots and pans and throw them in the oven and throw all of the clutter into the guest room and quick sweep with a broom and wash off the sink and get the guest bath at least polished a little bit, you know, get the most of the toothpaste off the mirror. And so when they open the door five minutes later, oh, hi, so glad to see you. And they will come in and notice kind of 
a nice, okay looking, comfortable home. But what's really in those cupboards? When I come time now to actually put my dishes in the sink and clean them, it's even more of a struggle because I got to find where did I throw all these darn dirty dishes? Where did I throw all this junk? Where is it? So then for months later, I'm opening cupboards and finding unexpected things piling on my head. There's my dirty house analogy that kind of relates to what it feels like as a compulsive overeating binge eater or someone with eating issues when you try to cover it up purely from the outside, purely by dieting, purely by following a food plan, purely tr try to make yourself feel better, either by overeating in some way or by rigidly sticking to a diet. Both of those things are outside of yourself. Both of those things can serve as a distraction. Now, of course, if you stick rigidly or really well to your diet and exercise plan, you are going to become thinner and as I've said many times, I have done that. I've accomplished it. But you know what? My life still felt pathetic and alone. And I felt like I was a fat chick wearing a skinny suit. I still had those feelings of low self-worth and feeling that nobody, if they knew me, if they really, really knew me, if they knew me deep down inside, could love me. Nobody could love me or like me. Heck, they probably couldn't even tolerate me if they knew the real me, the one who's sad and whiny and bitchy as we've demonstrated throughout this year, right? I felt like I always had to be there for you. I always had to be ready with an answer to fix a problem or fix you. I actually thought you wanted to be fixed. It was my wrong-headed idea that by being super Lori, I could rush in and fix every situation, including people. But trying to fix people only drives people further away, right? But I would just rush harder to try harder to fix them more and fix every situation, whether it was my business or not. I also tried to always have a smiley, jokey, laughing look on my face because if I took selfies of myself, like if I set up my phone to have candid selfies, which I don't do, but if I did, I would catch a look of sadness and despair usually on my face if someone took a picture unexpectedly because that was the reflection of my inner life sadness and despair but brave companions if you took a picture of me today usually you're going to find someone who looks peaceful and calm and oftentimes smiling not because i'm putting it on but because i'm living a life being authentic i'm finally learning to be who i am without dealing with these excuses of food, without using my size as a basis of, am I going to be happy or not? My size has really changed very little over the last year. It's changed a little tiny bit, as Mark will report later on, but really, it hasn't changed very much. What has changed is who I am, how I present myself, how I feel about myself, and a lot of that Brave Companions comes down to you came to walk this journey with me. You allowed me to be who I am. You demonstrated your empathy. You demonstrated your bravery. You demonstrated your willingness to step up and participate like me. You let me know in no uncertain terms, I am not alone. And brave companions, as I let go of this feeling of being pathetic and alone in this journey, 
I can say to you 100% surety, 100% guarantee, you are not alone either because moi and all the BCs really do care. Well, now that we've been busy letting things go, it's time to move on with our celebration. Lots of you took the time to send me good wishes and greetings to celebrate our year together. And there could be no better place to start than with my longtime friend and online cohort, Cheryl, who encouraged me to go on with the show. Hey there, Lori, it's Cheryl. Just calling to congratulate you on your big 100. What an accomplishment. I remember how nervous you were about even starting this whole venture, but you're so good at it, and it's what you love to do. It had to be a success. It's been interesting and informative and sometimes heartbreaking to go through this journey with you, but if I had to choose a couple words to describe you, they'd be fearless and determined. You've honed your philosophy of eating habits out of the hard, brittle chips of life, and you continue on that path despite the obstacles that have fallen in your way. Kind of like the signs you see along the roads in the forest in Ohio, watch for falling rocks. My dad always said falling rocks was the name of a local Indian chief. Well, you're an Indian chief and you've had your share of falling rocks. And despite them, even in the midst of a landslide of them, you've kept it real and not been afraid to put your feelings out there. Yes, you've been fearless, and you've taught others of us to be fearless, too. And determined, oh my gosh, the goals you've chosen to tackle would have scared the bejeebers out of me. Singing, voice acting lessons, a writing group, you're turning into quite the Renaissance woman. And what a role model that's been for all of us. I know sometimes the struggle gets to you, especially things people can say that end up hurting instead of helping, and yet you've never lost faith in their, in what you're doing, and you've never struck back at them in kind. You've stuck with it, sought out help when you needed it on a personal level, and continued to chase those dreams and interests that this podcast has awakened in your life. I think that's one of the most important things you've taught us, never give up on our dreams. And for most of us, changing our eating habits and styles is one of those dreams. To top it all off, you've created a loving, caring community and environment for others to share their stories, their dreams, their journeys. And from where I sit, that's made it all worth it. You've been like that little boy who threw the floundering starfish back into the ocean. When asked why he did that, when there were so many that it couldn't possibly make a difference, he said, well, it made a difference to that one. You've thrown a lot of starfish back into the sea. You've made an important impact on the way we view ourselves and relate to one another, our families, and food. That's huge. But then that's you, Lori. So congratulations again to you and to your sidekick buddy Mark as well for showing us how to hang in there when we think nothing can ever change. You may not have it all together yet, as you've said, but you're living proof that things can change for the better. Big hugs, girlfriend. Hugs right back at you, gal friend. You are so eloquent, you could make a living, I'm telling you, as a speechwriter. And I want to thank you not only for all of the support you've given me, 
but for all of the times that you stepped up to welcome new BCs, comment on other people's bravery, and to keep us all in stitches with your wry wit and warmth. We love you, Cheryl, and I hope you continue to have fun with your writing and with his lordship this coming year. Here's a smooch for you. Mwah! And speaking of people who stepped up, I'll never forget how Sue from the UK stepped in along with Cheryl to make sure that comments were answered and new BCs welcome when Mark and I went to Las Vegas last year for my double nickel birthday. That's 55 for those of you who don't know that. Sue was a recent BC herself, even though we didn't yet know that brave companions were what we would eventually call one another. Here's Sue to tell us how she got started listening, what she thinks, and about a new hobby she just started. Note, we both had some technical difficulties with Sue's audio, so we both are letting it go and appreciating the warmth and bits that come through. C'est la vie! So, I hope you enjoy listening to Sue from the UK. Very special occasion with it being the 100th podcast and one year in. I first started listening to this podcast through TuneIn Radio. I wanted something to listen to as I was going to sleep, something that was interesting enough but boring enough so that I wouldn't mind falling asleep. Well, it failed miserably. Why? Because it was far too interesting. It got me hooked. The first one I listened to was around the time of Laurie's birthday. It wasn't very many episodes, and I did what many like to do, start from the beginning. What amazing story. Brilliant as explaining what she's thinking and feeling. The journey, amazing and so inspiring. Ups and downs. That's what makes it so good, in that we can all relate to those downtimes as well as to the, the celebrations. Once I've started a host on the message board, seeing so many other of the brave companions as we became, found it so exciting to hear about what people were doing and how they were battling the things that they were dealing with. Anyway, I find the whole thing very, very inspiring. And although I don't contribute much over a regular basis, I always eagerly look to see how things are progressing. I love reaching out to people, and I do it whenever I can. Interesting to say how what sort of difference listening to this has made to me. Well, it's helped me to be braver. It's helped me to realise that I don't have to... It's going to be without mistake. I don't invest. But if I enjoy it and I can get pleasure out of doing some it's worth doing it this is that i've recently taken up quilting seems just will not go in straight or corners me i try a few times actually there are times when i've just got to let it go at something less than 100 percent. what do i get out of it i love the colors and the way they work together i have always enjoyed singing and it's been great to hear how much laurie's got into that and I've very much enjoyed hearing the other contributions from other brave companions that in involve music. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up now, and three cheers to us. Thanks, Sue. It was lovely to hear from you, and I'm sure Amy from Wisconsin will be thrilled to discover a kindred quilting spirit in our company. By the way, Alan would be proud of us for using your thoughtful audio, even if it wasn't exactly perfect. And while I'm remembering Alan, let me tell you how we became friends this year. Early on, I noticed that my show was next to Alan Standish's Quit Binge Eating in iTunes, so I sent him an email to introduce myself. He answered right away and booked me for an interview. My, what fun we had walking around the park, well, me walking around the park anyway and talking to him. And what a wonderful friend and peer I have now in Alan. He's literally turned into my fake little bro, and I'm his fake big sis. Hi, Lori and fellow Brave Companions. This is Alan Standish of the Progress Not Perfection podcast. 
So, episode 100, huh? Wow, that's amazing. I just wanted to take a second to publicly thank Lori for everything that she's done for both the listeners of this podcast, as well as all the support that she's given me since she's launched her show. Lori, you and your brave companions are some of the most genuine and giving and caring folks that I've ever met. I guess I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you've given us, both in your podcast, your blog, and on Facebook. I wish you and each and every one of your brave companions my best as you mark this very, very special show. Take care. Wow, thanks, little bro. What a wonderful message. I'm so glad you mentioned how caring you find the brave companions, because I agree that without the BCs, this show would not have lasted so long, nor have been so very special. Another BC who quickly won my heart was Sandy, who was one of the first to actually call the Bravery Hotline. I also realized that she was local and via Twitter asked if she was interested in meeting me at Descanso Gardens for a walk in person. We quickly discovered that we got along really well in person, even though I must say it was odd to meet Sandy since she knew all of my deep dark secrets from the show. That was the first time I really got that when I ponder and share alone on the mountain, like I'm doing today, real people like you are actually listening. But our friendship has grown over this year and I'm very grateful that Compulsive Overeating Diary had such an awesome side benefit. Hey Lori, this is Sandy, your brave companion, in-person friend. And I am so excited for show 100. I can't believe you're on 100. I think I started you know, meeting you virtually uh, in those early shows. And I remember going on my morning walk thinking, wow, I feel like I'm talking to my friend. And uh, to be, I think, I, like you said, the only brave companion that's had a chance to actually become your friend and meet you in person, I feel so fortunate. And um, so I just wanted to congratulate you and, and just say how much I'm getting out of the podcast and, and the community. I, I know I don't post a lot, but I'm definitely there and listening. Um, so big hugs to you and to all the brave companions. All right. Much love. Bye. Thanks, Sandy. I'm so glad you are one of the BCs. And another important side benefit for my life is that without your recommendation, I never would have found my singing teacher, Vicki. Well, Brave Companions, I just had my latest singing lesson, and I'm sitting here, <laughs> thank you, thank you, with my wonderful singing teacher, Vicki Hilferty. And I wanted to ask her how she got started, because not only is she an awesome vocal coach and teacher, but she's also a professional actress and performer and singer here in Southern California. So Vicki, how did you get started in show business? Well, I think I've wanted to sing my whole life. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do. And my grandparents were singers in vaudeville in the 20s and 30s, and I grew up listening to their stories, and it was really cool. And when I got older, though, I, would, I sang in school and stuff, but I chickened out. In my late teens and 20s, I thought, well, that's, I should do something practical. So singing became my dirty little secret. And I... I was really embarrassed, and it just was eating away at me. And when I hit 30, 30 is kind of a mark, kind of a milestone, and it was just really gnawing away at me. And it took me a year to get up the courage to do an audition. 
And I did, and then I just started getting into musicals, and that's really my passion. I love musical theater. And I met my husband doing musicals, and I just love it. And so I feel very honored and privileged that I'm able to make my living. Took me about 10 years of of working a regular job job, a corporate job, and then doing the singing on the side. And I would do singing jobs during the day. I would sneak out and somebody would cover for me at my job. And then I would go and I would do the singing job and then I would come back. And then gradually I built up my clientele. And I then one day said, I'm gonna take the plunge. I was actually being laid off from my job. And I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to be laid off. I'm getting a package. And one of the executives said, oh, you don't need to be laid off. Well, we can save your job. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want, I want to go. I want to go. And they were very sweet, and they actually helped lay me off. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. But that was 10 years ago, and I never looked back. But it's taken, you know, it's, it's, it's like a roller coaster, but it's one that I wouldn't want to do, I wouldn't want not to do. Well, I can certainly relate because, as you know, I kind of left my corporate job because of a bicycle accident that makes it hard for me to speak, let alone to sing. And I also was kind of traumatized my entire life. I thought I could not sing or, or hold a phrase or hit a note. I really thought that I couldn't sing. So as my brave companion listeners know, I only ever sang to my cats until eventually I sang to them, and they encouraged me to find a singing teacher. So that was my moment of bravery. And now, what would you say is the difference between when I first came to you and started to sing and my singing now? Oh my gosh, there is so much difference. First of all, I think you are the hardest working student I've ever had. You are really committed and you practice. Your change and your evolution has been huge. You sing with a lot more confidence. You breathe. We were talking about breathing today. But seriously, you use your breath really well. When you focus on it, you use it really well. But your, your pitch, your clarity, it's more like, OK, your brain is your control center. If your brain is telling you, I can't do something, guess what? You can't do it. But as soon as you get out of your own way, and you start building up confidence, boom, suddenly the stuff that you used to tell yourself, I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. When you're focused and you know you can do it, you can, you can do anything. So those high notes you used to struggle with, it's like, oh, I can't sing high, boom, you hit a high B flat today, and it was beautiful. So there's just been so much change. I don't even know where to start. Your phrasing, well, you always were a good actor with the music. You, you, you have a really natural instinct with the material. But what you're doing with the phrasing, with, again, your pitch that you always, oh, I don't have good pitch, you used to say. And your pitch is so clear. And more and more as we drop out and I have you sing a cappella, you are holding your pitch so beautifully. Your breath, your pitch, um, what, how strong you are singing. Overall, your range has improved. You've, you're singing higher, you're singing lower, you're singing stronger. So you've just, it's just been really a joy to watch you. But I know you've worked really hard. It's hard to be a singer because you have to think not only of the technique, 
But then you have to think, what's the song about? What am I singing about? And then there's that performing aspect. So you also have to look like you're not working at all. Like it's the <laughs> easiest thing in the world to do. You're just doing it. And it has to look simple, like you're not sweating bullets. And inside you're thinking, oh, what am I doing with that vowel? Or where am I breathing? Or where's my placement? And we just have to make it look easy. Well, I was going to ask Vicki to give you some advice about how to be brave, but I think she summed it up when she was saying, you know, what's in your mind is kind of what you get. If you're convinced you can't do something, you can't. And if you're convinced you can, then it's a matter of practice and giving it a try. I would totally agree with that. Well, thank you so much, Vicki, for being with us on our 100th show. I really appreciate it. <laughs> And I hope you enjoyed hearing my singing teacher, Vicki Hilfertine. Yay. The pleasure. Yay. I don't know about you, BCs, but I found Vicki's story of moving from a corporate job to side jobs to eventually making her entire living doing exactly what she loves to be really inspiring. And I love how she explains focus and how important what we tell ourselves is. That's really important to tell ourselves good things so that we can have a chance to succeed. And while we are pondering music, I want to give a shout out to Suzanne, also known as Suze, depending on her and my mood. I had sung a song I made up at eight years old on an early show, and Suze surprised me later on by sending me the piano version of it. Wow! Well, Suze, I wanted to surprise you by singing along with your piano version with my new and improved great voice. But sadly, my allergies have made it difficult this week. My voice is just kind of gunky and hard to sing. So I guess I should just give up singing to your accompaniment and give up that thought for day 100, right? Not. If we've learned anything from this year, it's that being brave and making an attempt trumps being perfect. So... With that being said, here's me singing my garden song as best as I could, given the state of my sinuses, along with Suzanne's piano playing. The wind, the wind is blowing, the sun is shining, and joy is filling the air. The grass is growing, and leaves are showing happiness everywhere. And all the people in God's earth Hand in hand they sing For all the little bells in heaven For happiness they ring The kiss of the sun for pardon The song of the birds for mirth You're closest to God's heart in the garden Than anywhere else on earth Although the wind is blowing, the sun is shining, and joy is filling the air. The grass is growing, and leaves are showing happiness everywhere. Oh, happiness everywhere. You know, even though it was tough trying to sing this week, I had tons of fun singing along with Suze. And here's what she has to say to celebrate our anniversary and the musical gift she's sent us. Hi, Lori. It's Suzanne. Congratulations on your 100th episode and happy one-year podcast anniversary. I just wanted you to know that you and your podcast and all the BCs are a few of my favorite things. 
my goodness, Suze, your plane is for sure one of my favorite things. Thanks so much for sending us your rendition of that song. An another one of my favorite things is the feature I tried out called Foolish Fun. Its purpose was to be a way for BCs to call and not be so intimidated. And to be honest, I just love songs and jokes and silly stuff. So I started Foolish Fun, announced by my hubby Mark, with high hopes that the shy BCs would soon be calling like crazy. But fingers tapping. Anyone calling yet? No. Nothing. Nope. Not yet. Nothing. Nada. Then along came Donnie. Happy 100th birthday, CompulsiveOverEaterDiary.com. You deserve a standing ovation, an honor, a salute. You've been a blessing to us all, and today we celebrate you. Congratulations are in order for your 100th episode, you see, and many wishes for a birthday that took 100 episodes just to be. Each day has held a promise that you could truly appreciate. It's another opportunity, another chance to learn new things, learn new other brave companions, another day to celebrate. Your life as a podcast has inspired so many, and your inner strength and faith resonate in everything that you do. I've learned so much. I've made so many friends, and today I'm thankful. I'm thankful just for you. Happy 100th birthday, CompulsiveOvereaterDiary.com. OMG, Donnie, my friend, you crack me up. You support me with comments. You are always willing to participate in fun and in whatever idea crosses my crazy brain. You are a treasure, and without you, I would not have had nearly so much fun this year. So in honor of our anniversary, Donnie not only sent one joke in for Foolish Fun, she sent in a whole set. <laughs> Lore presents Foolish Fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. Some happy foolish fun. What does a nosy pepper do? It gets all up in your business. Jalapeno in your business. Ha! What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. How about, what do you call an alligator in a vest? An investigator. And did you know what the difference is between a guitar and a fish? You can't tune a fish. Ha ha ha. Did you hear about the race between the lettuce and the tomato? The lettuce was ahead and the tomato was trying to catch up. One more for the last foolish fun. Did you hear about the hungry clock? It went back four seconds. Ha <laughs> ha Happy day. And if you love to be foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your silly on. And believe it or not, even as a former fourth grade school teacher, I hadn't heard many of those jokes before. Well done. So BCs, if you want to really make my day in the coming year, if you're ever feeling peckish, 
or bored and the chips are sounding pretty good, pick up the phone and try calling the Bravery Hotline with some silly joke for Foolish Fun instead. Thanks so much, Donnie, for making Foolish Fun part of this important celebration. Here's a smooch for you. Mwah. Hey, did you all enjoy the great job my hubby Mark did as the Foolish Fun announcer? He is a great sport, and I so enjoy his contributions to the show. Hello, my cherry l'amour. This is Mark. I just want to congratulate you on your 100th show. And I wish the best to you and all your brave companions. Ah, that is so sweet. I'm feeling all misty-eyed. Let's see if I still feel that way after Mark reports in now via another regular feature we started where Mark tells it like it is about my progress and my weight in our Lori's No More Diet report. Mark Weaver here with Lori's No More Diet report. Each month, I will answer the question everybody's dying to know. How is it working? Well, Brave Companions, it's been a long and winding road. And way back when I first gave up the scale, Mark was taking a look at me every month and reporting on what he thought, how I looked and how I was doing with intuitive eating. But we kind of gave that up. Any ideas why, honey? Well, because there weren't any huge changes, so we really didn't uh, follow up on it. That's right. Sad to say, except for Christmas when I put on a little, and now I'm. I, we think that I'm down maybe slightly. Yeah, I, from, from Christmas, you're definitely down a lot. And, you know, so you've, you're definitely, you've definitely gone down from Christmas uh, quite a bit. Well, overall, do you remember what my weight used to do before I started intuitive eating? Well, it, it would fluctuate quite a bit. You would, you know, go up and down quite a lot. That's right. And if we go back to the beginning, because Mark has looked at, reviewed some of the pictures from when I first started my show and our travels throughout the year, what do you think I look like now? Well, I think that, uh, I think that you look, um, you look a lot uh, smaller than when, when you first started, and uh, or noticeably smaller than when you first started. And I don't judge weight well, so, you know, I just, you know, notice that you look slimmer. Thanks, honey. I appreciate that. But as I told the Brave Companions last time, nobody at this point in time would describe me as a slender build. Well... You have a nice build, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, that was really smart. Thank you. I am curvy, but my point is, is I didn't, when I first started the show, I wanted to lose weight and get thin, right? Become thin like when we went to Hawaii or, you know, times when I got thin on a diet, right? And you would not, you would not classify me as thin like those times when I went on a diet. No, no. I, I think maybe you're settling into your normal weight. Oh, my God. I hope not, but that could be true. So I didn't get any thinner. So from that point of view, 
in my show, I didn't accomplish that goal. But I do think that my life is a lot different. And I think our life is a lot different than a year ago. So could you tell me what you've observed about our life and how it's changed over the last year? Well, I think, uh, you know, just like the weight has been very stable, so has our relationship. In what way? Well, uh, you know, uh, our little bickering and fighting and stuff seems to be uh, improved quite a bit. So we're not trying to yell and kill at each other quite as much? No, not quite as much. (laughs) And in fact, have we started to be a little bit nicer and more loving towards each other? Uh, That is, that's true. Also, do you think we've been going back to having more adventures in this last year than we had been? Yeah, I think uh, I think we're definitely uh, that's how that we had a kind of a lull there, and I think now we're going, getting back to like having more fun. <laughs> that's great. So, a little bit less weight and a lot more fun sounds like a recipe for a happier life to me. Yep, fun, fun, fun. <laughs> Okay, there's just one last thing before we go, honey, is when you think back of the foods that used to be trouble for me, like pizza or candies or cookies or ice cream or chips in the cupboard, right? Could you tell me how fast those things would disappear? Uh, like uh, a black hole? <laughs> you mean they'd, they'd be sucked in, but like, how, like if we bought these things and they were in the cupboard, how many days before they were gone? Like the same day. Okay, so you have bought potato chips and candies and pizzas and things this year, right? Yeah. And can you describe how long they've been in the cupboards now? It varies, but you know they last. Uh, sometimes they last a long time, and some, but they definitely last a heck of a lot longer than they did before. Like days, not you know, not a day. Have we actually thrown some of these treats away? Yeah, we've actually thrown goodies away because they've they've gone bad before we had a chance to finish them up. And we've been married now almost 21 years. Would you say this is the first year that that was true? Yeah, I think that's, uh, yes, that's definitely true. If somebody said Lori is lying and not doing intuitive eating or that intuitive eating doesn't impact her eating behaviors, what would you say to that person? Well, I would say that they're full of crap. <laughs> what can I say? It's actually, you know, yeah, and she's actually doing intuitive eating. And well, I'm not all that familiar with intuitive eating, but what she's doing is she's basically not as concerned about every day, you know, what she eats. And uh, she basically seems to, you know, eat fairly healthy just naturally rather than, you know, trying to force it. So, honey, are you, what would you describe your feelings about the fact that I've been doing intuitive eating for the last year? Well, I think it's a good thing because, you know, I don't think it's good for people to stress over, you know, what they eat if they if they can not stress over what they eat. It, it seems to me that uh, always having to worry about every every spoonful of food has got to be cause stress in itself. And I've read that stress itself can cause weight gain, so it's probably a good thing. Okay, I'm good. 
say I was lying because I said just one thing. But I also want you to comment on you've seen my physical fitness change or we've been pretty active over the last year. And how would you describe my fitness level? Um, Your fitness level has gone way up and I've got a long way to catch up with you now. (laughs) So I don't know if I like that. I've got to, you know. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to, to keep up with her on the bicycle, that's for sure. Well, and that's great. And I kind of think that's all this hiking that I've been doing to podcast. Yeah, I, well, you notice I'm hiking more now, too. So I don't know if I'll catch up, though, but I'll try. Do you have a podcast? No, I don't have a podcast. I don't know. Is that is that is that a new weight weight weight? diet to have a, a podcast diet or something yeah because you can't be eating while you're recording <laughs> Plus. well not unless you make the microphones out of food oh gosh <laughs> anyway it just encourages me to be active when i was thinking oh i don't feel like it i'd go well i want to go do my episode so i would go for a walk or i would go for a hike so that encouraged me to have regular fitness yeah no yeah because it kind of like it made you uh you know have a schedule and 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 go out and do something and and not because you're like setting the alarm clock and say i have to go out and exercise today this it it was kind of a byproduct of of your podcast also when we're talking about the podcast are you surprised by how the podcast has turned out over this last year yeah, I, I've seen a lot of changes, and I think it's actually more upbeat and positive than when it first started, and and, uh, and that, that's about it. I think it's, it, it seems to be going in a more positive direction than, than at the beginning. Were you surprised by all the brave companions who came and started listening and participating? You know, I'm very, very impressed with the brave companions. I think that it's, you know, it's it's very hard to uh, to let me, people know what you really feel and, uh, and put it out there, and uh, and it's really it's really hard to make changes, and and so people that are trying new things, you know, whatever they are, you know, you know, my heart goes out to them because that's that's always a challenge, and makes them a brave companion. <laughs> Do you enjoy hearing from them when they call the bravery hotline or when they send their voice recordings? Do you enjoy to hear that? Yeah, I do. I'm, I enjoy it, and I'm, like I say, very impressed. Okay, honey, thanks for doing this interview with me today. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too, babe. <laughs> well, brave companions, now you've heard it from the Mark's mouth. I was going to say the horse's mouth, but you might not like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> what can I... I Oh, man, I love you. Oh, man, that Mark is so silly. Guess that's why we get along, at least some of the time. Thanks again, honey, for that awesome report. It is really interesting for me to hear your views on my progress and our relationship, and I hope he sees it was illuminating for you, too. Speaking of illuminating, Something that illuminated my creativity this year was when I took a risk and started going to a writing meetup group in Burbank called Write It Up. Next, we'll hear some thoughts from Samantha, our leader and the one who began this group, and then I'll read you all my latest story from last week's session. 
I called this story, Gwendolyn and Phoebe Hit the Beach. Hey, Brave Companions. I'm here in Burbank at our local burger joint. I'm attending my writing group with Samantha, who was the person who started up this cool meetup group. Hi, Sam. How did you uh, think of getting us all together to write? Well, to be honest, I was looking for a writing group where you just write. You're not there to critique each other's work. You're not there to go over the stuff you wrote last night. You're just there to enjoy the pure act of writing. And nobody was doing that, so I made up my own. And it's really, really fun. You know, we have some regular people that come quite often to do the writing, and we also get new people. And that's kind of the topic of today. Like, part of my show is all about bravery and being brave to try new things. If someone was out there was thinking about starting a group or wanting to go to a writing group that they heard of, what would your advice be for them? I'd say go for it. I mean, they're going to give you challenges and things that you wouldn't have thought to do yourself. And you may go once, and you may love it. You may go once and you may hate it, but you'll write something new, and that's the key. That's it. So if you want to be a writer, Stephen King said it. Writers write. write. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sam, for being on our 100th anniversary show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. As you've heard our fearless writing leader, Samantha, describe in the interview we just had, when we come to do our writing, we don't even know what we're going to write. We have various prompts. And the last time that I read you one of my stories, our prompts were actually story cubes, little dice that have pictures on them. And you roll these cubes, and then you get an idea. And that's the one where I did the alien story, right? Well, this time what we did is we had little sticky notes that we would write a word on and pass it to our left until finally there were four prompts on there. Then we passed across to each other so you have no idea what kind of verbs, nouns, or situations were going to be on this prompt. So mine was the beach, a magic wand, a bag lady, and my situation was you have writer's block and a deadline looms. And this brought to mind Gwendolyn and Phoebe hit the beach. Now remember, I'm just writing this longhand in a notebook, and 30 to 40 minutes later, I am reading it out loud. So I hope you enjoy it. Gwendolyn, it's time. Move your bloomin' ass. Coming, Phoebe, coming. Gwendolyn quickly threw her sparkly madrobe over her forbidden bikini and packed handfuls of pixie dust oh so carefully over her one precious pinch of human beach sand. Oh, the joy of it. Endless waves crashing, volleyball, burgers sizzling, hot sun, heat, sweat, boys. Gwendolyn! Phoebe startled Gwendolyn right out of her fantasy by smacking around the shoulder with his large purple polka-dotted paw. Do you want the grand pixie to confiscate your wand again, hmm? Oh, Phoebe, you won't tell the GP, will you? She batted her eyes meaningfully towards her great guardian beastie's frowning face. Lord, love a duster, don't try that oversexed teenage bit on me. I've seen more hijinks come and go in my 5,000 years of existence than you've ever dreamt of on that blasted beach of yarn. Now take your wand and your scrolls and go bless some needy human thrice before we're both booted out past Saturn. Well, about that, Phoebe Gwendolyn. Well, what? I haven't actually, or what for the love of Juniper, uh, written my scrolls yet? By the beard of bees. 
beeswax, what are you thinking? That was supposed to be done two eons ago. I know, Fooby, but Gwendolyn's gaze was pulled against her will to the shiny magic teleporter still set to Zuma Beach. Fooby sighed, his frighteningly fuzzy eyebrows slumping like wilted weeds as he closed his golden eyes. Oh my fixin' fustian, we cannot not bless a human today, and all you've done is beach dream. Come now, Gwendolyn. As he spoke, Fooby pulled a golden quill from behind his ear. Here's our last emergency quill. You'll just have to write what comes on the scroll and jump. But Fooby, you know that never works like we would expect. We have no choice. It's quill timer. Pack your parkas for Jupiter. Gwendolyn gingerly took the quill and set it to her scroll. It wrote on its own, flashing magic runes of various hues. Lights and stars sparkled and roiled while a huge humming began vibrating violently from the teleporter. Now, Gwendolyn, now, throw your dust and bless a human. Gwendolyn reached in her bag and was suddenly knocked sideways by a whooshing, frantic wind emanating from the transporter. Cyclones swirled all of the furnishings in her chamber, cattywampus, signs and wonders, times and corridors appeared in quick succession on the view screen. Struggling with all of her might against the blowing wind, she threw a pinch of dust into the magic teleporter. Kaboom! Gwendolyn's mad robe flew off, then blew through the magic screen, then her wand, then Gwendolyn herself. Fooby! Lord love a duster, Fooby sighed and hopped after. Fooby landed right on top of Gwendolyn in a pile of fur and claws and many tails. Gasping for air, Gwendolyn felt dizzy and stars exploded right before her eyes and the sick feeling of transformation just as she thought, oh well, at least we might see the beach again. Hours later, a kindly person bent down and plunked a dollar into Gwendolyn's cup. Poor thing, the stranger thought as he watched the scruffy old bag lady mumbling to herself about unseen monsters and passing dirt she plucked from the city sidewalk from one hand to the other. And there you go, Gwendolyn and Fooby hit the beach. Now, everybody loved the beginning part and hated the ending about Gwendolyn turning into the bag lady. Well, I really didn't have any choice because that was my prompt. Now, is Gwendolyn turned into a bag lady? Was Gwendolyn really a bag lady having delusions? I actually really enjoyed Gwendolyn and Fooby and can see trying to expand this story maybe into a book or even a series. So what do you think, brave companions? Did you like Gwendolyn and Fooby hit the beach? I sure did. One thing's for sure, going to the writing group really makes your creativity soar. Thanks, Samantha, for putting together this awesome group that gives us the chance to work through writer's block every single week. If you are a writer or a wannabe writer in the LA area, check out today's show notes on day 100 for times and places if you'd like to come write with us too. Oh boy, I even enjoyed hearing that story myself. I think I really do like Gwendolyn and Fooby. Another activity that was a huge risk for me this year was when I finally whipped up the nerve to try my lifelong dream of voice acting. You've heard quite a few of my takes in voice acting class on the show this year, both my successes and let's just say my challenges. I've sweated and whined and said yahoo, but every Saturday for months, I've whipped up my courage to face my fear and to take up the microphone, not safely on the mountain like today, but in the sound booth, trying for real to learn what it takes to improve and become a voice actor. In celebration of this process, I'm going to now present to you Bravery Day. That's what I call Saturdays. 
I will take you from my vocal singing warm-up to my own work on a monologue at home. From there, we'll work on the same monologue with my voice acting coach, David Babich. And finally, you will hear my reveal of that same now shiny monologue as directed by the one and only Mark Cashman. Along the way, both David and Mark generously grant me interviews while they tell us what it took to make their individual creative dreams come true. So BCs, get ready, get set. It's time for Bravery Day. Okay, Brave Companions, I'm gonna share a little bit of my Saturdays with you. First, I listen to my voice lesson and do all the scales and try to do what my voice teacher, Vicki, told me to do. And I'm working on a new song. I'm going to play here just a little bit of it. It's called Whistle Down the Wind. And so we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I'm just starting to work on it. So hopefully I'll remember to breathe this time. Ready? Here it goes. Whistle down the wind. Let your voices carry. Brave Companions, that's all I'm going to give you right now, but just to give you a little flavor. Now I'm going to work on my monologue, then go down to David, my voice acting coach, to work on things before I go to Mark Cashman's commercial voice acting class. Okay, next up I'm going to run through my monologue one last time with my stopwatch, and this is for Bright Start. It's a preschool thing, and I'm supposed to be a young mom who's sounding heartfelt and introspective and observational and genuine about my kid and being with my kid. And so I'm going to run it with my stopwatch now to see how it goes. And I'm going to put a sentence at the start of the actual monologue to help me get into introspective mode. So we'll see how it goes. All right, ready. Sometimes when doubts creep in, I have a little talk with myself. Today she ran into your room at 4 a.m. to tell you she thinks a leprechaun lives next door. At 7, she decided your heels are a great place to hold dog food. And by 9, you've done the chicken dance 10 times. Most people's days have just begun, but you're right in the middle of yours, and you wouldn't trade it for the world. 
because at 11, she'll sing that song you taught her while you quietly brush her hair. And at three, you'll make her laugh so hard she snorts when you show her how to make a blade of grass sound like a duck. And when you tuck her in for bed and she reaches for her goodnight hug, you'll ask yourself, how did we create something so amazing? Well, and when I stopped my stopwatch, it was at 44.8, which is pretty darn good since this is a 45 second spot. So now I'll go off to David and work on this some more and see if we can improve upon it, make me more introspective, more genuine for when I do it in class for Mark. Well, brave companions, while well, you're following me along with Bravery Saturday, I'm here now ready to work on my monologue with my voice acting coach, David Babbage. But you know what? He's not just a voice acting coach. He's a voice actor, an actor, and a singing and songwriter and all kinds of things. David, could you tell my listeners a little bit more about what you do for a living these days? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, as you mentioned, I'm a, a voice coach for voiceover and singing, um, but I also am an actor. Um, I've done some a lot of stage work, voiceover, um, some TV stuff. You might have seen me on Criminal Minds recently, actually, in the fall. And I am the Carfax uh, guy, Carfax dealer uh, in one of those sleazy Carfax commercials <laughs> where they're trying to get you to buy a bad used car and then the little fox comes in. Um, and I'm, I'm often doing a little voiceover job here and there and uh, just recently did a, a short uh, series of narrations. So, as you can see, Brave Companions, at this point in time, is it fair to say, David, that you are making your living through acting, voice work, singing, and the creative arts? Yes, I would say so. I, I, could, I can definitely say yes on that one. And has this always been true for you? Like, did you go to college and have a dramatic arts degree or a singing degree and jump right into full-time work as a creative? No. <laughs> that, surprise, surprise. <laughs> that's a resounding no, actually. In fact, when I graduated UCLA in 1992, um, all I was really focused on was waiting tables and sitting around writing music and just, just, just kind of being creative, but not making really any, mo any money doing it, just kind of enjoying freedom and just really exploring my creative juices for, for quite a few years, actually. Probably, it's probably four or five years till I... Um, started to really pursue uh, the arts as a career. And then from that point, it was a very slow, gradual build. You know, this is a story that I've heard more and more. And like I said, I'm, we're down here in Burbank, Hollywood, so almost everybody that you meet has got a screenplay in their pocket or they're an actor. There's something else besides what they are, right? And yeah. the thing is, what was that moment of bravery? Like, what brave moment did it take for you to make that leap or that told you inside, I can do this? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, and I, I would like to say there was an, there's an easy answer, but I think it's been a series, there's been a series of opportunities. I think the first time when I felt that I was sort of free uh, from waiting tables was in the Bay Area. I got um, a part in a musical that allowed me to to sort of take the leap and and quit my day job and and just do the musical for a, for a handful of months because uh, I, I got cast actually in two musicals back to back. And I was, I was like, wow, you know, I can actually barely, but I can actually make it by just on this. And so um, that allowed me to th the freedom to start teaching it actually. So it was this interesting thing where I was, where I was like, okay, I don't need to wait tables now. I'm going to need something else though. Maybe now's the time to start teaching. And I started teaching guitar at the time and then voice shortly after. Um, 
And, you know, it's not super clean because I think at a certain point I waited tables again and went back to square one in a way. But uh, I'd say in 2006, maybe 2007, after moving back to L.A., I was able to sort of more permanently um, quit my day job, if you will. So, Brave Companions, part of David's day job is coaching moi before I go off to Mark Cashman's lessons because on my report card I did pretty decent, but as you know, the acting was where I needed some work. Now, David has lots of different things he could be doing. He could be helping me produce a demo. He could be helping me do other things in voice work, but I specifically am right now having him work on my acting chops. So hopefully he's going to help me with this new monologue become much more introspective sounding and young sounding since I don't know why Mark cast me as a 25 year old mom. (laughs) So anyway, do you have anything, advice you'd give to the brave companions if they have a dream and they at least want to try? I mean, I'm at least trying. Is there something that they can do to try? Yeah. Um, I would say, Hmm, grab a friend uh, who is also interested in trying and and you can do some work with each other. You can read monologues to each other. You can read scenes with each other and just start to have fun with it. Um, Sign up in a group class, a community class, a community college class, something that, that where you can just test the waters without necessarily breaking the bank. Um, And the gosh, there's so many improv classes and acting classes out there. I mean, you can really just dive in and start to have fun and, and, find some freedom in expression of your voice and your body and then um and then take it from there and just start to see how it goes that's right i'll tell you one thing if you have any interest in being an actual writer for money or a singer or an actor or a voice actor you have to get used to not being picked you just plain do. And there's a saying that it's not rejection, it's selection. And I could do the most perfect read ever, and my voice just might not be right for the spot. And the sooner I get used to that, the better. And as you know, I'm so sensitive. It's a good thing that I'm getting all of this great training right now, as well as my good acting training. So thank you so much for being with me on this 100th show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. Because it's because 11, she'll sing that song you taught her. That song, you know, think about that. Okay. Okay. And you wouldn't trade it for the world. Because at 11, she'll sing that song you taught her while you quietly brush her hair. And at. Uh, Yeah, this is good. Why don't we. Why don't we go back. Yeah. Take it from the beginning again, actually, because I, I think you're. I think you've got it now in terms of being able to incorporate that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Today she ran into your room at 4 a.m. to tell you she thinks a leprechaun lives next door. At 7, she decided your heels are a great place to hold dog food, and by 9, you've done the chicken dance 10 times. Most people's days have just begun, but you're right in the middle of yours. And you wouldn't trade it for the world. Because at 11, she'll sing that song you taught her while you quietly brush her hair. And at 3, you'll make her laugh so hard she snorts when you show her how to make a blade of grass sound like a duck. And when you tuck her in for bed and she reaches for her goodnight hug, you'll ask yourself, how did we create something so amazing? Awesome. Well, my dear, your time was right on the money. I mean, you were just right in the pocket on your time. You just nailed that time beautifully. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you really, really did a nice job on this one, a really, really nice job on this one. Um, there, you didn't have a bobble. You didn't have a stumble. You, you, you really, really prepared. You knew your material well, and you were really, really connected with it. Um, uh, I heard some just wonderful expression in your voice, really nice color, really nice warmth, and, and uh, you, you really understood uh, uh, the overall tone uh, that, that, that this needed. In this particular case, uh, um, uh, Lori mentioned, she says, uh, you know, I, I like this spot even though I don't have a daughter, but I asked her, I said, do you have a niece? She said, yes, absolutely. Uh, although her niece is in her mid-20s, she remembers when her niece was you know, a little girl, and, and, and that's basically what she was evoking. That was up in her mind there. So I have a question for you uh, before we get into the, um, uh, the micro notes here. Um, uh, who are you talking to in this spot? Well, actually, to me, I'm talking to myself. That's exactly right. You're talking to yourself. I'm thinking. That's exactly right. You're talking to yourself. You are reminiscing. You're reminiscing about the, the first half of the day. The first half of the day, okay, up until about 11, because because at 11 she'll sing that song you taught her. So basically, again, the first half of the day that started at 4 a.m. Okay. Now, is that something uh, something coming in uh, uh, her coming in at 4 a.m. Uh, to wake you up? Is that something you encourage? No. No. Is that something you roll your eyes at? Yes. That's what I want to hear. Okay. That's what I want. I want you to hear. I want to hear you roll your eyes at her coming in at four in the morning to tell you she thinks a leprechaun lives next door. Uh, what about the, the thing that she put dog food in your shoes? Is that something you encourage? No. Is that something you roll your eyes at too? Yes. And I need to hear that too. I need to hear you rolling your eyes at that. This is again. This is your daughter who you absolutely love unconditionally, but sometimes you just want to kill her. <laughs> right? Okay. We do this all the, all the time, all the time. Okay. I say just want to kill her. You don't want to literally kill her, but you just want to say, what's the matter with you? Okay. And, but again, I need to hear you roll your eyes when you say, when you say these things. If you just say, uh, she decided your heels are a great place to hold dog food, and, we're, and we take that literally, uh, uh, that sounds like it's okay with you. Okay? But we have to hear in your voice that it's not okay, but you're letting it go. Because of who she is, right? Okay. Um, by nine, you've done the chicken dance ten times. A little eye-rolling there, too, again. It's, you, know, you could do it once. You could do it twice, but ten times. But you know what, when you're working with a four-year-old that you're doing things over and over and over and over and over again. That's, that's what they do. That's what they are. That's what they love. Okay? So it takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of love. And I need to hear that. Even more so in your voice. Uh, you wouldn't trade it for the world? Well, it wouldn't. It just sounded kind of odd. It's like student. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't trade it. What we need to do is there are certain, there are certain words here, uh, 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 for a couple of words and phrases here. You just need to relax a little bit more. Basically what's happening is you're just over-articulating. You wouldn't trade it for the world. You wouldn't trade it for the world. Move through that phrase. You wouldn't trade it for the world. Okay, and I'm going to give you a macro note when we're done here. You said she'll sing that song you taught her. Uh, in this particular case, taught's going to be understood. Let's put the emphasis on song. That song you taught her. Okay, don't need to, we don't, this time, we don't need to emphasize that action word there. Okay. It's the song you taught her, all right? Uh, while you quietly brush your hair. The only thing, the, the, the word, the phrase that got most articulated and over-articulated was, uh, she, she, uh, uh, 
You'll make her laugh so hard she snorts when you show her how to make a blade of grass. The moment we attack that T on two, that's we've lost all credibility, all conversationality. We don't sound like we're talking whatsoever. It sounds like we're reading. Show her how to make a blade of grass as opposed to show her how to make a blade of grass. Show her how to make a blade of grass. You can barely hear that T. You know it's there. But when we talk, show her how to make a blade of grass. Again, you, can, you will know I'm saying the word too, but you know that, I'm, that once I over-articulate it, I'm going to lose my believability here. Okay? Show her how to make a blade of grass. That's what you need to do. On that line, we got way too big. Way, way, way too big. Okay, you were almost shouting at that particular point. And again, if you're talking to yourself and shouting, that means you are schizophrenic. <laughs> and you're off your meds. Okay. So we don't want to be that. All right, so macro note is basically this. I want you to pull back. That uh, uh, chapter that I have in my book about the talking to yourself voice. We've talked about this before. When we talk to ourselves, we talk out loud to ourselves. We're not talking out loud to ourselves. Otherwise, again, we get into the schizophrenic area here where, 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 again, we should be on a medication. We're not going to be talking to ourselves out loud like this. All right? Again, we're going to be having a softer voice. This is an internal thing. Yes, yeah, she did this, and yes, yeah, she did this, and yes, yeah, she did this. This is a softer voice. So maintain that really soft voice for me, Okay. All right, let's try with that in mind. Your timing was impeccable, impeccable. So again, roll your eyes at the, at, at, at the things that you need eye rolling. And, and if you get a little bit more um, emotional, that's okay with me. Okay? All right, let's try it with that in mind. Stand by. And this is take two. Today she ran into your room at 4 a.m. to tell you she thinks a leprechaun lives next door. At 7, she decided your heels are a great place to hold dog food. I still think you're talking as I'm hearing you talk to somebody. I'm hearing you talk to a person okay. because you're still projecting a little bit too much for me. Okay. okay? I need a softer, I need the stage whisper. I need you to soften your voice. I need you to whisper more. But you need air. to keep air moving, though, because there are places where your voice is slightly dropping out. Okay, so just keep, keep the vocal cords going, but just soften them. Keep your, uh, pick up your pace just a little bit and, and overall soften your projection, okay? Pull back on your projection. You're still projecting too much for me. Mm -hmm. Try it again. Let's Take try. 2.1. Today she ran into your room at 4 a.m. to tell you she thinks a leprechaun lives next door. At 7, she decided your heels are a great place to hold dog food. And by 9, you've done the chicken dance 10 times. Most people's days have just begun, but you're right in the middle of yours. And you wouldn't trade it for the world, because at 11, she'll sing that song you taught her while you quietly brush her hair. And at 3, you'll make her laugh so hard she snorts when you show her how to make a blade of grass sound like a duck. And when you tuck her in for bed... And she reaches for her goodnight hug, you'll ask yourself, how did we create something so amazing? You might have been a couple of seconds short on that one, but that was, that was you, number one, that was of the two takes, that was absolutely your best take, number one. And that's the best take, that I've, that's a, the best performance I have heard you give. Yay. In, 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 in all the classes you've been to, that you just hit that out of the goddamn park. I'm okay. telling you right now. 
Notice what Lori did. So many good things. Just again, I just want to reinforce something. Notice what she did. She said, and by nine, you've done the chicken dance ten times. So she slowed it down. She stretched out ten. She did some taffy pulling on ten times. Okay. So she broke up her cadence. Number one. Then she, then she continued. Okay. Uh, she, she'll sing that song you taught her. Those are the notes. That's the, macro, the micro note that I gave her. That's the adjustment I gave her. She incorporated that right into that second take. She heard it and applied it. When you show her how to make a blade of grass, I brought that up as well. She heard that. She applied it. That shows me control. What did she do at the end? How did we create something so amazing? And she just really took that phrase, amazing. Did she not make amazing sound amazing? Absolutely. Did I asked her if, if you give me a little bit more emotion, do that? She did. I asked her to roll her eyes on the, on the, the leprechaun and, and, and the dog food thing. Did she do that? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. You, got, you understood this so well. This, as I said, you just nailed this puppy. Beautiful job. Come on in. Well, Brave Companions, it's the end of my bravery day, and now I'm here with the wonderful Mark Cashman. He is a voice actor, producer, director, and as you've heard many times, a very good teacher. Thanks for agreeing to talk with me, Mark. You're welcome. And thanks so much for allowing me to take my takes with your direction in it for the Brave Companions to hear how I'm doing it voice acting. You're doing great. And I didn't have to pay him very much money at all. <laughs> so, Mark, right now, would it be fair to say that you make 100% of your living around voice acting and acting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, again, uh, writing, casting, producing, commercials. Um, uh, what else? Uh, uh, writing about uh, voiceover. Um, uh, so whether they're articles or uh, I just came out with a book um, or voice acting myself, either doing audiobooks or, or, or any kind of uh, different types of voiceover uh, uh, stuff and, uh, and, and teaching uh, uh, private classes, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, and, uh, and I teach at CalArts, uh, teach uh, BFAs and MFAs. So you see, he's got the goods and the credentials. So obviously, Mark, you came out of college and went right into a voice acting career, right? No, 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 not at all. I had no idea what I wanted to do. No idea whatsoever. I was actually, I was a teacher for five years in the public school system. I was a teacher. But after doing that for about four or five years, I, I realized it was a kind of a dead-end job. And uh, before, the life that I had before teaching was uh, I was a singer-songwriter. I was uh, uh, on the road. I was doing coffee houses and college concerts and things like that. Um, I got off the road because it was an itinerant thing, and I really just didn't want to have that lifestyle. So uh, I went into teaching, but, uh, but the, the, the creative side of me uh, never went away. And... And I realized that uh, the teaching was going to be a kind of a, a dead end uh, job and, and, and not very fulfilling for me. And so I decided uh, I would just take my creative, uh, all my whatever creativity that I that I had. And the one thing that I loved was uh, was writing. And and I decided I just decided I was going to write and produce commercials. That's it. I just decided that's what I was going to do. And I had a choice of. L.A. or New York, decided to go to L.A. because I wanted to go out on my front porch in the middle of February with 
shorts and t-shirt and flip-flops and and I couldn't do that in New York and uh, so I came out to LA and that wh- that's what I decided to do um, three months later I ran out of money uh, uh, then I had to get a part-time job to or actually a full-time job to keep the roof over my head but because I knew that I wanted to do what I wanted to do I got a job working swing shift so I worked from seven, uh, from five to midnight, or or six to one, um, and uh, and then kept my days open to do what I wanted to do. It took me, oh, I'd say, a good four years, till I could finally say goodbye to all my part time jobs and finally do what I was to what I came out to do full time. It took a while to do it, but there was there wasn't one day, there was not one day, that I said, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this, or maybe I won't be able to do this. There wasn't one day, because every day I woke up with the attitude, I am going to do this, and I am doing this. I had some initial success, but not super, super lots of success, but I had initial success. But again, that's why it took me a good four years to finally, finally be able to say to all the part-time jobs, thank you, I'm, I'm moving on and doing it. But I'm tenacious that way. The thing is, is that when you find something that you love to do, where you love it, where you eat it, breathe it, dream it, sleep it, where you constantly have your eyes on the prize, that's the motivation. That's that's what keeps you going. And that's basically what I did. I was tenacious about it. Um, Am I the most super talented writer, producer, uh, uh, voice actor in the world? No. There's so many people who are so much better than I am. But the thing was, is that this was something that I absolutely love to do, and I still love to do it. 35 years after I started, I'm still loving what I do, and every day I love that I get the chance to do what I love to do, and I'm energized by it, and 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 you you can hear it in, in, in my work, and 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 it's contagious. It certainly is. And so, Brave Companions, you've heard this theme from all of my teachers and coaches and the people that have helped me have my year of bravery. Nobody just had it handed on the plate. Nobody. Everybody had a dream. They tried it. They had ups and downs. And they just kept getting up. And that's how they all became a success. So, Mark Cashman, I'm just going to keep on trying, even though some of my takes are great and some I have a little improvement. I'm just going to keep going and being brave. And someday I'm going to get a voiceover job. Absolutely. Give me five on that one, baby. (laughs) Thanks so much. You're welcome. Well, I don't know about you guys, BCs, but I sure liked hearing all Mark and David had to say during Bravery Day. And I am proud of myself for working hard and for getting such wonderful coaches to help me with my acting. I've discovered this year that when you find you need help to accomplish your dreams, it isn't shameful to go out and get it. It's brave, it's smart, and it's another way for us to connect with each other and with our lives. One of my favorite connections was when Stephanie from Quebec came into our lives and into the show. She started commenting regularly and was the first to inform me that she was binge listening to get caught up from day one. Stephanie also made a proposal to help me overcome perfectionism. She devised a secret topic of the day where she would send me an audio question to address. 
but I wasn't to listen until I was out recording and thereby I would have to answer by the seat of my pants with no mental prep whatsoever. Oh my lordy, that was a challenge for a perfectionistic control freak like me. But I was up for that challenge. So Mark and I recorded our fun intro for Stephanie's secret topic of the day and gave it a go. Working together, Stephanie and I have had a lot of fun and it has not only been one of my favorite features of the show, but it has proven to be wildly popular with the BCs as well. In a world where robot aliens beam down to silence truth with sneaky weapons. Lori and a ragtag band of brave companions seek training to overcome robot alien stealth attack. A new voice of hope shines bright in the Zen place. Introducing Stephanie's secret topic of the day. Bonjour Laurie, bonjour les braves compagnons, this is Stephanie from Quebec and uh, Laurie, congratulations on your 100th episode and your one year of uh, compulsive overeating podcast. Uh, personally, I'd like to say, uh, you know, very, very warm thank you uh, to you and the brave companions, specifically to you because obviously you are um, the main character in this this adventure. Um The thing that you left me with for the last year is definitely mindfulness, mindfulness and awareness of myself. There's some things I've discovered about myself this year. I'm 34 and there's some things I've discovered this year about myself that I never knew before. And I mean, obviously food related, but also emotion related. So it was it was it's it's a nice journey and I'm, I'm really appreciating um, the fact that your presence, your podcast, your blog, the discussions that went around it um, gave me a lot of thoughts, a lot of food for thoughts. And, and, and that's very much appreciated too, for you to provoke that for, for me and for other people. And um, also another thing I gained during this last year is, is, is a beautiful friendship. I'm, I'm really happy. I've I've gotten to know you and um, I hope this friendship will carry on even if it's uh, just virtual. I hope it'll carry on for a very long time. Now my my secret topic for today is 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 a little related well obviously a lot related to your your show because I'm struggling with something and and I was wanting to have your thoughts on this. Um, it's about letting go. I'm one, you know, your, your snippet song and, and one of the main things you do on your show is letting go. And, and I was wondering what your thoughts were around the fact of, you know, when do we know if we need to let go or if we need to strive or persevere? How do we know the difference? Um, you know, sometimes 
when you persevere, you, you get stronger. Um, and sometimes the pain and struggle are really worth it. And sometimes they're not. So I'm really struggling on, on, on trying to determine when do we know when to let go versus when to continue and persevere. So I hope that's good for you. Have a good day. Have a good discussion. Have a good thought. Bye. Mwah. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you for those kind thoughts. But I was hoping you were going to, in English, we say, lob me the softball, which means something really easy, you know, to hit out of the park. <laughs> An easy question. The one that you posed today on how do you know when it's time to let go of something or whether it's time to, perse to persevere is one of the hardest questions, I think, in knowing ourselves, right? And it sounds to me like your question is directed more towards maybe a goal or an achievement versus letting go of a bad habit, right? Like, I think we can all agree that it's easy for me to determine that I should let go of feeling alone empathetic. The feeling alone empathetic when in fact there are many BCs around the world supporting me and it's quite obvious that I have people who are loving me and supporting me at this moment to go around saying I'm alone empathetic is nothing but a bad habit that is letting me get into my own bad attitudes, right? So for some of these things, it's pretty easy okay, I see proof or I've come to realize I have this bad habit. It isn't serving me. I am going to now become aware of it and I'm going to let that go. I don't think that is the crux of your question. I think your question is more like, let's say when I started voice acting, when I started voice acting, I had no idea, number one, if I physically could do what it takes to do voiceover work because my lips don't move all that well after that stupid bike accident, number one. Number two, it's been more than 35 years, I think. No, maybe 30 years, but it's been a really, really, really long time since I've had any acting class, right? I'm over 55 years old and I still got those feelings of, oh, I'm fat and I'm in Hollywood and people aren't going to take me seriously. But, you know, that, that's a confidence thing. But back to the physical thing. I didn't know if it was even possible. Was it in the realm of possibility, let alone talent, let alone work, let alone luck? Is it possible for me to even try to do voice acting? Now on this podcast, sometimes I have trouble with my speech and sometimes I whistle and sometimes I have to edit myself out because I slur or I stutter or something happens. But the podcasting actually has really, really helped me get better at my speech. The fact that I'm up here talking all day long and talking so often has really helped me recover my being able to speak one way or another. So one of the things I did was pursue a teacher who would, quote, tell me the truth. So that's why I went to the voice actor social group and asked all the people there, who's the teacher I should go to for a beginning class or an evaluation? Who would tell me the actual truth? Yes, it's possible for you to continue or no, it isn't. Because I didn't want to spend my hundreds of dollars, you know, out of our family budget pursuing something that just wasn't possible, right? This is getting a little bit towards your question. So 
Mark called me on the phone, Mark Cashman, when I emailed him this question before I ever stepped into his class. And he interviewed me at length on the phone and I shared my concerns with him that I would not be able to pronounce the words or put my mouth together enough to get an M out without causing a trouble with the mic. And he talked to me and said, you know, Lori, I don't hear this physical defect over the phone. And believe me, I'm listening and believe me, I could pick it up. I believe you that you have this trouble, but I see no reason why you can't try the beginning class. And I said, okay, Mark, I'm going to sign up because what I want to know is number one, do I love voice acting as much as I think I do? And number two, I want to come out of your class knowing if I work hard enough, is it possible? Is it in the realm of possibility that I actually could book some work someday as a working voice actor, not as a retired hobbyist, not as somebody who's paying just to go on the mic. And I know it takes a lot to be a voice actor, but I want to know, in your professional opinion, is this worth me pursuing or not? Well, Mark Cashman couldn't answer the first question for me. Only I could know, do I love voice acting as much as I thought? And I got that answer, Stephanie. Yes, I did. I really liked it. It was a lot of fun, especially doing the dialogues with my co-classmates. I learned so much. It was so fascinating to me the way that commercials are produced and having the class in a live studio. It was just awesome. It felt like a wild dream come true. But the second part, do I have what it takes? So many of my classmates were younger, working actors, or had been in voiceover before, and they were so good compared to me, right? But you can't let yourself be compared to other people. You just can't. You have to look inside your heart and say, how is this for me? And the good thing about working with Mark is he gives you a report card where he grades you with numbers from 1 to 10 on how you're doing, right? on your breath control, on your articulation, on your acting prowess, on these different things. So you can see right away, wow, I'm doing pretty good at, the level, at this level, and this could use some work. And I was shocked when he went ahead and passed me and gave me permission to be in the intermediate class. Wow. So there I'm like feeling good about myself, right? Then after my first intermediate class, I actually went down in some of my grades. How is that possible that I got worse? Well, actually, I had improved, but I was now being judged at a higher level of performance, and I had to, again, take the intermediate class because I just wasn't ready to take the advanced class. And Mark is very, very honest with his assessment. But does he think I could not be a voice actor ever? No, but I have a lot of work to do. And one of the things that I noticed on my last report card was that my lowest score was in my acting. Now, Mark doesn't have time in class to address every one of us in a micro way to improve our acting, right? He acts like a director. He expects us to have the abilities to adjust to his direction. And since I didn't have that ability to adjust to his direction in that way, I signed up with my voice acting coach, David Babbage. I went out and got help. So sometimes, Stephanie, if you're wanting to pursue something 
or do something, whether it's run a marathon or do 100 miles on the bike or do a career challenge or do a hobby challenge, sometimes you need to seek out support. If you still have that drive in your heart, I'd really like to do this, but I'm running into challenges. So what you need then is to go get that support, right? Like I did with my, with my voice acting coach to help me. Well, now in this class of Mark's, I'm doing so much better. And my co-classmates are noticing, Laura, you're doing so much better. And Mark himself has even said, you heard it in the interview, that he believes that someday I can book a job. And believe me, Mark Cashman would not say, yes, someday you will be able to book a job if you work, if he didn't think so. If he thought, eh, give it up, kid, he would tell me he's that kind of guy. So right now, where I am in voice acting is I know I still love it. It still scares me more than anything. But with the support of David and the support of Mark, I see that I'm getting better. I see I'm not ready to go cut a demo and go for the professional side of it yet, but I see I'm getting better. I see it's going to take a lot more work than I ever thought or hoped for. You know, I see it's going to take me a lot of work, but that it is possible. So Stephanie, if what you're wanting is possible, if it's in your grasp and you're burning to do it, that's one sign you should pursue it and maybe you need support. But if you keep telling yourself, eh, maybe I won't go to class today or maybe I don't want to do this and, and you kind of feel like, you know, I don't even know if this is going to thrill me so much if this happens for me. That might be your inner heart telling you it's time to let this dream go. That kind of happened with Daily Adventure Tales. It kind of happened with my live support group class that I had at the Y. I realized that what I like is telling my story. And my story might not be suited for a weekly class format. It might be better suited for me to write books or go give like seminar one-day talks or something like this. Right? It was hard to let that class go, but it was the right thing. And I think also when I did, I felt peace about it. That's another way you can tell. Imagine in your head, I'm giving up X, Y, Z. And you feel sad or relieved. That is a really good indicator. So my friend, thanks for such a deep and interesting topic for me to consider on this our one year anniversary of being together. And yes, indeedy, I hope you are my friend forever. And I hope someday you will come to the LA area or I will have a chance to go to Quebec and we will be able to continue our friendship in person. Well, BCs, I may very well have saved the best surprise for last. I am so proud that our wonderful Fiona Lane has written, sung, and produced this marvel, The Brave Companion Song. And I'm honored and humbled to debut it now to celebrate our day 100.
and I'm from Clinton, Utah, and I figure I'm pretty brave because I love people, I find them fascinating, and I wouldn't be afraid to sit down and have a chat with anybody I ever met anywhere. Have a good day. Jeannie, Lori, and other brave companions, it's Pat in Issaquah, Washington, and one reason I'm brave on your 100th show is calling in. The second one is... I used to say yes to every request for help, and I'm now stopping and most of the time saying no, because I realize I kind of know where, what my goals are now, and I'm not so apt to just drop what I need to do to jump and help others, and I'm thinking about what's important to me and my family. Anyway, happy hundreds. This is Stephanie from Quebec, and I am brave because I am learning to love myself more and better a little bit every day. Hi, I'm Donnie from Spokane, Washington, and I feel like I'm brave because I accept and acknowledge that I have had a lot of issues with food. I'm brave because I lost a whole bunch of weight. I'm brave because I gained a little bit of it back, but I'm working to figure out what's going to work for me, whether it be intuitive eating or what what realm of life is going to work for me. And I think that makes me a very brave person. Hi, Lori. I'm Maria from a Spanish-speaking country, um, which name I prefer to reserve for me. And my English is terrible, as you can see. And I'm very brave for doing this. Thank you very much, Lorian, and you all. I, I, I feel happy of having found you. Bye-bye. I'm Amy from Wisconsin, and I'm brave for approaching dieting and weight loss in a way that's truly right for me. Neither really dieting, but also not just giving up and letting go. And so I feel brave for finding a way that works for me, no matter what anybody else says. Thanks, Lori. Bye. Hi, BCs. This is Fiona. I'm brave because I'm finally allowing myself to consider the possibility that I might become a teacher one day. Hi, I'm Sue from the UK, and I'm 
brave companion because I'm working through some major stuff with a therapist whilst listening to these podcasts and finding that so much of what is said and shared resonates. Hi, this is Sandy, brave companion from Los Angeles, California, and I am brave because I am willing to keep trying every day to be a better version of myself. I'm Suzanne from Minnesota, and I'm brave because I am learning to think about my feelings and reactions in ways I never have before. Hi, this is Mark Weaver from California, and I'm brave because I'm living my life on my own terms. And this is Lori, also from California, and I'm brave because one year ago I strapped on my recorder to talk about my feelings and I felt all alone in the world, but I let those feelings go out into the public and now I got to meet all of you brave companions and I'm so happy. Thank you. Dear Fiona, you are an awesome songwriter. Please also thank your sister for me for helping you produce it. And heartfelt hugs and thank yous to the many BCs who sent in their bravery story in order to make our anthem shine. If you would like the link to where you can download this 100th day version of the Brave Companion song, be sure you are either a coffee clatcher who supports the show financially by buying me virtual $5 cups of coffee, or that you've signed up for the show's free email list for special topics on CompulsiveOverreadingDiary.com. You can also sign up by clicking my cat tiger's cute little face on the button that says sign up on the show's Facebook page. I'll be sending out the link to this version of the Brave Companion song in just a few days. So sign up today and don't miss out on having this song on your own computer for all time because it is so awesome. So BCs, as we march bravely into the next year of Compulsive Overeating Diary, take care because I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Oh!
I'm letting 